And we are live. Welcome to Staking Mondays. Staking Mondays is a weekly show where we share knowledge with key staking industry leaders with our community. And of course, this is all powered by stakingrewards.com. As Staking Rewards, we are helping investors navigate the landscape of yield generating digital assets, helping them find the best opportunities to earn interest on crypto. And this is season two, everyone. Welcome. If you want to watch any of the past episodes, head on over to Spotify or our YouTube at Staking Rewards. My name is Ken, and I'm here today with co-founder of Staking Rewards, Merkel Schmiedel. And we are delighted to welcome today's guest, CryptoCito. And CryptoCito, he actually entered uh, the crypto space in 2017, studying blockchain technology and monetary policies after working at Mercedes-Benz for three years. Uh, since then, he has co-founded Crypto Monday Shanghai, which has evolved as China's largest crypto community. He's created the YouTube channel CryptoCito, where he helps viewers to take smarter decisions. He became an investor in early stage crypto startups, namely the Cosmos ecosystem, and recently organized the recent Cosmoverse conference in Lisbon. So welcome, CryptoCito. How are you doing? What's up? What's up? How are you? Yeah, thanks for... Having me here, uh, it's a real honor to to be on this uh, show. I've seen it a couple of times before, and now actually being here as a guest is a real honor. So yeah, also thanks for this uh, introduction. Uh, it's actually the first time ever that uh, somebody read it out to me, and it sounds pretty cool. So um, yeah, uh, crypto is an amazing industry. Lots of noise left and right, but I think after all, we're all, all still in the same boat um, and are all still figuring this out. So yeah, really glad to be here and talk about crypto and cosmos. Absolutely. And it's good to be on the other side of the interview chair for once here. Um, so <laughs> to give you a little icebreaker here. Uh, so which crypto project, you know, first spiked your interest outside of BTC and Ethereum? And why was that? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, when I started, I mean, when I entered this industry, I had zero investment background. So I didn't really know, you know, how things work. And I think I was still on this train that, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum are kind of like these um, established networks where everybody has already made their money. So I was immediately dragged into, okay, what is the, what is the low cap gem that I can find and hundred uh, X, you know, so I think one of the earlier coins um, that I invested in, like in the very early days was um, actually ADA, I think ADA, um, what is it? XRP. Um, and I think EOS back then was pretty big. So I was like, man, I want to like, you know, um, invest my money into this. So those, I think, were the first three three coins that I um, got into outside of Bitcoin and um, Ethereum. And I've done pretty well in the 2017. It was absolutely nuts. Um, but um, yeah, um, at least EOS um, has lost a lot of traction and actually didn't really um, achieve much. So and now I'm mostly in Cosmos. So it was a good shift. <laughs> yeah, you definitely um, hedge your bets in the right areas, it seems. And uh, it's it's so cool to see you know over the course of three four years you know how different the landscape can look, and I just wanted to tease a little giveaway here with everyone watching, uh, whether you're watching on the Staking Rewards channel or it looks like we're paired here with the CryptoCito channel as well as well. So we're gonna have community questions. If you guys have any question that's uh, you want to ask, go, feel free to type it in the chat here. And the best community question, uh, the person who asked that will actually be awarded a Staking Rewards T-shirt today. So make sure you guys ask those questions. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you have another question later um, for us and we can consider that anyway, like let's uh, jump right into it. Um, so um, 
Actually, I want to thank you like for organizing the Cosmoverse conference lately. It was an amazing outcome, I think. Um, there were like over 700 people joining and you just did that in like organizing in over two months, if I'm right. And um, yeah, that's pretty impressive. I was really uh, amazed by all the uh, people there and everything. The, the whole setup was very, very professional. So that was amazing. And um, as a question, like how, how was it for you? How was the experience for you? And like, what were the, the most interesting takeaways kind of from the conference? And um, did you meet any exciting projects or anything there? Yeah, I mean, thanks, uh, first of all, for the kind words. It was really amazing. And, and I remember like you guys, um, the Staking Rewards team and uh, David and you, Mirko, you've been one of the earliest uh, supporters to like help spread the word, get people there. You know, in the beginning, it was like, yeah, maybe we can get 100 people together, you know, have some chilled beers and talk about Cosmos. And then, like you said, 700 plus people showed up, um, two full days from 9 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. with speakers and everything. Um, so it was a huge success. Um, Obviously, I, we had a whole team. It was not just me doing that. Um, Basil, who has um, been doing a lot of branding and marketing stuff. Then the DeFi Times team, um, make sure everybody also to follow them. Um, they have done a lot for this conference to, to happen. I mean, um, it's, been a, it's been a good team. Um, I don't know, my top learnings. I think, honestly, I was a bit surprised to see all these teams actually coming there, right? I mean, I remember I, I came to the hotel a few days before the event and suddenly I see the tenement logo in all these meeting rooms. I'm like, oh my God, there's like 20 people from the tenement team there. And then the Osmosis team, they came also a week before the event and had their company retreats, right? The Ixo team, the region network team, Akash, they've all been there. And uh, this was really um, kind of like over delivered, I guess and um, over, overwhelmed also from, from our side. So that was cool. Um, and yeah, I mean, just to see that everybody is in the same room, that was our mission, you know, um, to get Sunny, the co-founder of Osmosis, get uh, uh, Pang, the, the CEO of Tendermint, um, Jack Zempelin, get all of them in one room and let them talk, right? Like, that was our goal. And um, I think mission accomplished from that side. In terms of new projects, yeah, man, there's a lot of new projects that I haven't even like really, really heard about before, right? For example, one that already announced a big airdrop as well is Loom Network, right? And the whole team was there and they absolutely um, killed it, became a last minute sponsor also for the after party. Um, so um, Loom Network is one. They're building a, a, a business trust engine, basically um, the trust pilot for, for companies and startups. Then uh, Umi, um, unfortunately, Brent couldn't make it in person, but Umi is another um, lending protocol that is launching um, on Cosmos. Um, I think they're targeting for mainnet um, still in December. Um, Axelar, um, huge, huge project. Agoric, um, smart contract platform for Java de uh, JavaScript developers. There's so much. I mean, the list goes on. Um, lots of projects, incredible people from all over the world. We have people from Hong Kong, from Korea, from Argentina, Colombia, US, all over Europe. I mean, it was really, really amazing. Yeah, that sounds like it. And what a great success with all those uh, attendees and, you know, definitely the, the partners that you had there as well. So, so break us into Cosmos a little bit here. What is Cosmos all about and what excites you most about the Cosmos ecosystem? So the, the th I think the thing that excites me most, you can actually see I'm wearing a near hoodie, but um, it's simply because it's cold in Lisbon and um, uh, it's one of the best hoodies I ever wore. Um, but the thing about Cosmos is I can wear this near hoodie and no one's going to call me out for it, you know? 
Um, it's a very open ideology. It's more like um, inclusive, you know, let's build a multi-chain future where we have a million or millions of blockchains and they're all kind of like um, um, uh, connected to each other, right? So um, this has been the core ideology of Cosmos is to be the internet of blockchains, the actual Web3, right? I think um, the term Web3 is getting more and more attention these days and metaverse and all these kind of things. Um, and I think Cosmos is one of the closest to actually fulfilling that term. Now that IBC has gone live um, in February or, or March this year, um, the inter-blockchain communication protocol, which makes it possible for sovereign blockchains, that's the key word here, sovereign blockchains, individual independent blockchains to be connected to each other, right? Um, and this is um, revolutionary in my opinion. I think it took two, three months for it to like, you know, get the first killer application, Osmosis came around, absolutely killed it. They have now 30, 40, 50,000 monthly active users. Um, I'm sure all of us are farming on Osmosis and providing liquidity there. Um, so in short, basically Cosmos um, is, is the, the internet of blockchains, the, the platform that seamlessly connects all sovereign blockchains and in the future also Bitcoin with Ethereum, right? And EVM compatibilities are, are on the way right now. Um, and then you will have substrate compatibility, which means Kusama and Polkadot on board, right? And like all these um, ecosystems outside of Cosmos, right? So I think that's an ideology that resonates a lot with me. And that's why I'm so heavy on it um, and focus my, my research time, my energy and everything onto that ecosystem, but more precisely onto that um, ideology, philosophy and, and also the community. So I think community is also a major part of it um, that makes it so attractive. Um, so yeah, that's basically what, what Cosmos is and what really attracts me about the whole ecosystem. Yeah, very well said. I, I think it's really like this, uh, the, the narratives from the protocol itself, they are uh, transferred to the community or you can see them in the community like, as like being very inclusive. I, um, I can definitely feel that in the Cosmos ecosystem. So it's, um, it's very cool. I, I really like it as well. And, um. And also, yeah. if I can add one point here, um, I think later we'll talk a little bit more about it, but from an architectural technical standpoint, Cosmos is built in a way that is, in my opinion, very, very democratic and very open because it enables anybody to, to spin up their own chain, use Cosmos technology without having to purchase and log up Atom, right? Which is what you have to do on Polkadot more or less. Um, obviously not as crazy, crazy bullish for the Atom price, um, as it is for um, what Polkadot has in their architecture for the dot price. But I think that's something that over the next months and years is going to prove itself that if the technology works, you can actually think about implementing something like shared security for the Cosmos hub, where you can pack new chains to the hub and then accrue value for Atom in the longer run, right? I think that's an approach that um, the Cosmos uh, community or developer community separates from, for example, Polkadot, is that you know they first build out the technology, put it out there for everyone to use. People started using it, um, and now you can actually see. Okay, we have traction now. How do we improve the game theory? Maybe the tokenomics, maybe the circulating demand, right, and all these kind of things. But I think that makes it more open and democratic. And I think that's that's something that is really really key to understand. Is that sure? Crypto. Everybody wants to make money in crypto. We all love that. Um, I, I'm happy to catch another 10x. Uh, here or there, but it's still about building this this Web three environment, and 
you have to like focus on technology. And I think Cosmos, at least from my research over the past three, four or five years, actually, is um, one of the most sophisticated and most complete um, technologies out there, right? I think the first parachain, is it already live now? Um, Akala, I think they won their first slot. But that's basically the birth of Polkadot now, right? And Cosmos already shipped IBC more than half a year ago. So there's a lot of things that, um, yeah, I think are really, really important to understand. Um, because in the beginning, I didn't really understand, you know, what is Cosmos? I, I, the, I remember the first video I made was the forgotten brother of Polkadot um, and then introducing Cosmos. So I didn't really know what it is about. But now I really understand how it differentiates. And it's actually the exact opposite of, of Polkadot. Um, and still pursues this philosophy to interoperate with all other ecosystems. Yeah, and they, they do have a progressive uh, take on governance anyway. I think IBC is already the fifth upgrade, like the first big upgrade really that they did, and everything went smooth so far. Um, yeah, so like what, what do you think is like the best case scenario for Cosmos in general? Like um, how, how does the world look like in which Cosmos is like very successful or like reaches its full potential kind of? How, how does that look like? Uh, I think the, the goal is to really have hundreds of thousands, maybe a million. I think the, the actual KPI for Tenement is to have a million blockchains by, I don't know, in the next 10 years, um, all interoperable through IBC. So the goal is to really have as much, um, as many chains as possible launching on Cosmos, like using Cosmos technology. And I think um, the more we see that, um, anybody who, who's out there watching and who has used Osmosis and has made an IBC transfer, they have already experienced um, what, what that means, right? And imagine now you could do that with the, the Aave of Cosmos or with, with um, you know, all these like synthetic asset marketplaces, um, NFT marketplaces, right? And you have true interoperability without having to sacrifice speed or um, you know, um, uh, security or cost or decentralization. I think that's something that um, would be the ideal scenario for Cosmos is to basically not just replicate, but even innovate and advance everything that Ethereum has right now um, with IB and, and paired it with IBC um, and you know, Tenement as the consensus engine and just build this true internet of blockchains. And that also means that we could potentially offload Bitcoin or even Dogecoin or even Ethereum itself onto Cosmos as a separate zone or a separate hub within the Cosmos ecosystem. Um, and then you have full, full interoperability. And then the end goal could be that IBC could evolve as the TCPIP standard for the blockchain economy, for the Web3 economy. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people are working towards too. Um, and I think, and honestly, from my kind of like view, the, the hardest thing has already been accomplished, which is to actually ship IBC. I think that took a while and people have already like, you know, dropped out along the way towards the launch. But now that it's actually there, it actually works. Um, then uh, people notice like, hey man, this thing is actually pretty cool. It's, you know, explored it. I think yesterday Zcash announced that they're gonna build on Cosmos now and also wanna implement IBC. Um, so it's, 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 it's about reaching this critical mass, this critical um, network effect. And then from there, I think it's gonna be, um, wow, you actually m uh, miss out a lot of value for your own project if you don't implement IBC. So I think once we reach that point, it's gonna be a, a, a snowball that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then it's kissing goodbye. <laughs> Yeah, and in, in hearing about the Zcash moving to Cosmos SDK, I think uh, 
in our little private chat, we had a little laugh about that this morning, trying to think of which memes we can create uh, around that event. Um, but you already kind of compared the two, Cosmos and Polkadot. If you could go deeper into the comparison of those two, you know, what, what benefits does Cosmos have over Polkadot? You know, what makes them specifically different? So I think, first of all, um, one thing that makes Polkadot really, really successful is this narrative around um, Gavin Wood being the, Dr. Gavin Wood being the co-founder of Ethereum, right? They have a star founder, similar to Cardano, star founder in Solana. They have um, SPF, right? Like they have a very like well-known people in the space with millions of followers, hundreds of thousands at least. Cosmos doesn't really have that, right? The Cosmos co-founders, Ethan Buckman and Jay Kwan, um, they are very like under the radar. They're not really like very, very, very like vocal and public and loud about what they do and, and how and, and whatever. Um, but Polkadot has that star founder, and I think that's um, a big plus for them, just from a team perspective. From an architectural standpoint, I think, um, like I was um, basically alluding to earlier, um, Polkadot has this relay chain, parachain model, right? So the relay chain is basically what Polkadot actually is, right? So if you say Polkadot, you actually talk about the relay chain. Um, and the only purpose of the relay chain is to be the security source for parachains, right? So the the, the relay chain doesn't really do anything. It's supposed to be like credible, uh, credibly neutral. It doesn't have a, a DEX running on it. It doesn't have any kind of like f uh, features that require a lot of computing or processing. Um, it's there as a security source, right? And um, then what happens is you have this um, scarcity on the, on the parachains that pack to it, right? So you have this auction model where projects have to raise a lot of dot from the community, lock it up for a minimum two years, and then get access to that security from the, uh, uh, from the relay chain in order to you know, actually be on Polkadot. So, and I had uh, Emin Gunsiro, the founder of Avalanche on my channel, and he said it best. He said, in order to launch on Polkadot, you actually have to be Polkadot. So it's kind of like very, very hard to get those slots, especially I think if you don't have Gavin's number on your WhatsApp, you know, um, Akala, the team behind Akala, I had uh, Dan Reese from my channel. He was a, a lead person at um, Parity before he um, went on and joined Akala, right? So it's kind of like a closed circle. Maybe that's also fine. You know, you have to like stress test the whole architecture, the whole system. You don't want anybody to use it right away. But it's kind of like very narrow in the beginning. And personally, I've talked to many parachain candidates or those that want to become um, a parachain on Polkadot. And it's, it's just impossible to get a slot there, right? I mean, even on Kusama, I think the first couple of auctions raised three, four hundred million dollars. Like a new startup with, you know, not too many funds, uh, maybe a relatively young, small community, they're excluded. They're basically priced out on, on that in that sense. And on, on Cosmos, uh, in, in contrast, you have the exact opposite, right? So basically the Cosmos SDK and the whole architecture um, tenement um, as the consensus algorithm, IBC as this interoperability protocol are all there to use. Um, and the hardest thing that Cosmos has already basically achieved is to get all these projects that launch on Cosmos to spin up their own validator set, their own security model, right? So it's not packed to the um, Cosmos hub. You could compare the Cosmos hub to the Polkadot relay chain, um, but in fact, the core Cosmos developers over the past two or three years, they decided not to start with shared security because that would create a lot of 
scarcity, artificial scarcity, and a lot of also dependencies on the Cosmos Hub. Because in Polkadot, if the relay chain goes down, parachains are wrecked, right? If in Cosmos, the Cosmos Hub goes down, nobody's wrecked. So I think that's the core difference from a technical standpoint. And you already have a bunch of chains part of the Cosmos ecosystem, right? You've seen it at Cosmoverse, lots of projects um, that already went live, Region Network, Osmosis, Akash, Secret Network. Um, there's a lot of them that also have very high market caps, right? Um, even CRO, and they're now spinning up a completely new chain that even implements EVM compatibility. So um, basically, if you think about it, Polkadot and Cosmos try to achieve the same, but they start on the other end of the spectrum, right? So I think Polkadot has to go more towards opening it up. And that's what para-threads eventually will do, is that you can sublease your parachain um, uh, space to other projects. Um, I think that's a cool idea, but nobody's really working on it. Plus, they also want to implement their IBC-like version for Polkadot, but I think it's not... I don't know what's the roadmap for it, but it's definitely not live yet. And I don't know if it's still coming in the next half year or so. So they've focused more on that and that's fine. It worked out really well for the dot price and for the KSM price and they have the Canary network, right? Those are cool things. On the other hand, you have Atom and Cosmos that are now going to start, you know, implementing some of the ideas that also Polkadot has done with the Canary network, right? They just announced a Sega network um, and then they're also going to implement interchain security. So that's a big thing that's going to come. And I think it also comes in the right moment because now you see so many smart people, smart ideas, entrepreneurs, cryptopreneurs, they recognize Cosmos technology actually is pretty cool. So they want to launch a chain on it. And interchain security just helps them to get to the market faster, right? So you can just basically um, um, get Atom validators to also validate blocks on this new chain. And I think that's also a cool concept. It's optional. You can still launch your own chain, um, but also there's going to be a different negotiation mechanism. So you don't have these crazy hundreds of millions of dollars um, that will be locked up and uh, you know get away um, for the project to go live. So I think that's really, really important to understand. Polkadot and Cosmos are both basically experimental um, and uh, both seem to work out. Polkadot only just is going live right now with the first parachain with Akala. Cosmos already has a lot more to actually show, you know, and to to use. Um, but I think both will succeed. I'm just personally more bullish on the ideology of Cosmos and their approach, and very very bullish on um, also the long-term value accrual for Atom, um, given that um, IBC routing is coming, given that interchange security is coming. Plus, you'll see more and more utility through something like Comdex, which just went live, UMI that is going to go live. So you have lending, you have synthetic asset marketplaces, NFT stuff, um, liquid staking, superfluid staking. There's so many things that are coming, and I think that's going to drag in a lot of eyeballs into the ecosystem as well. Yeah, that's uh, very very great points, uh, and I would actually love to revisit that conversation in like a in a few years time and see like which of these approaches like. Yeah, actually proves to be the most kind of, uh, yeah, the most successful one, I guess. Um, both of them are definitely legit, and um, Cosmos has been able to attract a lot of uh, talent, and uh, it's quite innovative in, in general, I think. Um, and um, 
yeah, it's just going to be a matter of like bringing them together, like on the on the spectrum, and seeing which uh, approach is is the best, maybe. Um, and after all, so like uh, talking a bit about like Cosmos staking, um, I, are you staking your your atoms yourself? Like, what kind of staking solution are you using, and like how how does this decision making pro process look like for you when you choose like a certain validator or like any other staking solution in the market? Um, how, how, how do you choose that? And maybe to give a bit of context for everyone listening, like how, how do you approach like your, your staking, especially spe specifically for Atom, I mean? So, okay, great question. When I started like, you know, a couple of years ago when proof of stake really became a thing, and I was still using centralized exchanges for, for most things because back then we didn't have DEXs or AMMs, right? I remember the, the first AMM that I used or the first DEX was Ether Delta and the user experience was absolutely <laughs> trash. I mean, it's, it's so bad. So I was mostly active on centralized exchanges. And then I saw, you know, you could stake through Kraken, you could stake through through Binance, you know, and they give you good yields, you know, Binance earn is pretty good. You can lock it up even for 30, 60 days, you get more of it. So I started with that. And at one point I'm like, wait, if I stake through centralized exchanges or any centralized provider, I don't really get airdrops. I don't really get, I don't really own the coins, right? Not your keys, not your coins. So um, th there's a lot of like, kind of like downsides to it. And um, that's why at one point I'm like, man, I got to withdraw everything. I don't want to, I'm done with centralized exchanges. And, you know, you, you sacrifice the performance. They don't upgrade the chains. They don't upgrade their nodes. It's like, they're not really like, they, they make money with it. And that's fine. I think centralized exchanges are great in terms of dragging in new people, making it easy for the average person. Like when I started to like really trade cryptos, but I'm like, man, actually, if I hold coins in self-custody, I can stake with high returns. I can maybe even reuse them. I can do something like liquid staking. Plus I learn much more because I have to do everything myself. Um, and I'm a true crypto Web3 user, right? So um, the best way to, um, to stake any Cosmos coin is through Kepler, Kepler wallet. Um, I stumbled upon it pretty early uh, when I had early conversations with Jack um, earlier this year in like February or something. And he's like, man, Kepler is the, you know, the number one wallet. So get yourself a wallet there. Um, and yeah, I'm really happy with Kepler. Cosmos Station is another one that's really, really well. Um, and um, they also have, both of them actually now have mobile versions. So it's pretty easy to, to use, very sim um, simplistic and um, straightforward. And yeah, in terms of choosing a validator, that's a very good question because again, when I started, I had no clue what commissions are. I didn't know who, the, who these validators are, how to set it up or whatever. So I just delegated to whoever had the lowest commission, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, it's 0%, cool, I'm gonna take it. Um, but then I really started to understand more and more how this whole industry works. and. Um, I figured out that, you know, it's it's better to like delegate to nodes that are active in the ecosystem, active in the community, that maybe even develop some things, because those that actually are building stuff, some of them even take revenue from their nodes to build this, right? Sunny Agarwal, the co-founder of Osmosis said, they used Sika revenue, Sika as their validator, to kind of like pay salaries for, you know, for Osmosis people. So... 
um, osmosis employees, right, in the very beginning before they even launched. That's why they also airdropped ions to SICA delegators. So it's like, and, and sure, they have higher commissions, but they're also actually building stuff. Um, so I think if you really want to, like, if you're really interested in a certain project, whatever that is, whether it's Ethereum, Cosmos, Polkadot, Near, whatever it is, Solana, try to find a validator, not just with the goal to like have the highest commissions, but uh, the lowest commissions, but also delegate to someone who's building. Maybe talk to them, maybe, you know, figure out if you can help them or they can help you or if you have a feedback for their product, right? I think this is more in the sense of, um, of crypto. And personally, I then started to uh, spin up my own nodes because I'm, you know, got really active in the space and then um, spin up Stakesito. So that's uh, my personal node um, that I'm running now on seven or eight different chains, mostly Cosmos. Um, but still, I'm also delegating some of my coins to other nodes, right? So even though I'm running a node myself, I think it's also good to um, diversify to other nodes from a decentralization point of view. Um, but also to like support them in uh, and, and show them like, hey, you know, you, you do a great job. Um, I'm delegating to your node and um, I really appreciate what you do. So I think this is, there's many, many aspects that go into it besides just chasing yields. Um, that's why that's, that's kind of like my, my methodology here. And also whenever you stake, you always, uh, always uh, maximize the eligibility for airdrops as well. And some um, some projects, some nodes actually only give coins uh, to people that delegate to their node, right? Ion for Sika, um, Desmos to Forbol, um, what else? We have a couple of more, I think. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Chorus One, I'm not sure if they did one. But yeah, there, there's a couple of projects, like if you delegate to their node, they reward you with coins in case they spin up a chain. And you never know, maybe the Stakesito, Cryptocito chain is gonna come um, in a year or two or three, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so those yeah, are my definitely uh, getting us excited there with the uh, teaser at the end. And it looks like you have even uh, Stovetop77 in the comments here is a uh, satisfied you know user of the Stakes and <laughs> Validator. <laughs> and for nice. anyone that, that hasn't seen what stakingrewards.com is, we actually provide great resources for you to help make decisions on choosing validators. Uh, going to a specific asset profile page and then seeing all the different validators that are listed there. You can even go into those specific validator profiles and, and get further links and FAQs on them. So real great resource there as well to help make your choices. Um, yeah, and actually when I started to, um, so when proof of stake chains really became a thing sometime last year and, you know, Cardano Mainland went live, Polkadot kind of like, you know, had staking rewards. Um, Stakingwars.com was my first place to go. I discovered this page very early on. And I was like, man, you know, this is the best way to just compare yields, to compare which chain has how many coins locked um, in, um, in, in those pools. And you can even click through validators and see who is behind, link to their website. Um, this is the best and easiest way to do your research because on all these explorers, you don't really um, have you know, a lot of information to navigate through, to take a decision. Okay, I prefer this node over that node. Um, so you, what you guys are building is really, really cool and helpful because it saves so much time in, in your research and figuring out which chain I want to stake on and to which node I want to delegate. So um, it helped me personally a lot. And I think um, in the past I've did many videos, you know, uh, where like compare the, the yields and, and the nodes on, on staking rewards. So um, that's a really helpful site. <laughs> <laughs> 
Great to hear. CryptoCito is a, a native user of staking rewards. And this is actually a good, good transition into the next question here. So um, was watching one of your previous interviews. You had tagged to the top of your Twitter profile. And it was talk about Binance being the number one validator for the Cosmos hub. Um, and, and this was identified as sort of a concern uh, because they didn't always remain active in voting and so on and so forth. So, so what's a good solution to avoid a large concentration of stake to a single validator service? That's a very good question. Um, I think it's really, really hard for projects to, like, especially when they launch, um, to, to launch fully decentralized, right? Fully decentralized also means in terms of the, the ownership in the network and the governance structure. Um, and you still see that, I don't know exact numbers, but I'm sure that like the early Ethereum people still have a lot of ETH. Um, Satoshi himself still has 5% of all Bitcoins. Um, you know, all these other chains that came up new, Solana, Cardano, um, near centralized ownership in the beginning is inevitable. Like you can't avoid it. Um, so, and so is the distribution of the nodes, right? Because early nodes, um, when they got spun up, um, they just foster themselves and it's really hard to like, kind of like, you know, get rid of them or, you know, outcompete them because simply they have a long track record. And the thing is also about Binance or Coinbase or Kraken, since they have front ends implemented into their exchange, people that are already users of their platform just have a one click boom stake and you're already kind of like delegated to them behind the scenes, right? So that's what actually happens there. Um, and it's really, really hard to like, to like outcompete that. The best thing, and that's also my mission with my uh, YouTube channel, Cryptocito, is to make people aware that, hey, you know, everything that I just explained, not your keys, not your coins, not your keys, not your airdrop. Um, you have higher yields if you're outside of it. You have more control. You have more decentralization that you actively contribute, right? A lot of people com complain about, oh, this chain is not decentralized. On oh, this chain is not decentralized. But then hold their coins on, on centralized exchanges, right? Everybody has the same responsibility to contribute to actively decentralizing the crypto space. And I think we have to all get aware of that. So, um, yeah, that's why um, it's really, really hard to get rid of that. Um, I had the co-founder of Cosmos um, on, on my channel who, who said then in the clip, you know, um, we need to get rid of Binance because they're also not even like actively contributing anymore. I think in the early days they did a bit more. But now it's um, very static. They don't really upgrade their nodes. And yeah, but it's hard to get rid of them for the reasons that I just said. So um, yeah. only thing that happens is make people aware. Hopefully that comes just naturally. I, I saw like Binance actually just offer like a 1.2% yield or something on Cosmos. If you don't lock it up, it's like the, they have the flexible staking and the locked staking. So if you do the flexible one, then you get 1.2% or something. And then... Uh, the flexible you get a bit more i don't know um but yeah i mean it, it seems like the uh or like one issue why people probably would prefer something like that is like cosmos does have like these three week uh unlock or like unwarning period and that like someone uh just pointed it out in the comments as well and that's like a it's a bad user experience and it, it really like stops you from like uh being flexible with your your trading and general like investment decisions and so on at least in the in the short to to midterm kind of, um, but in in that sense, do you think um, like liquid staking solutions will eventually like 
take over the market where you can like avoid these unwinding periods or like what's your stance in general on liquid staking like have you looked into it or like do you think um they will gain significant traction definitely yeah i mean i think first of all it's important to understand staking rewards are not there to make us rich right staking rewards are there to incentivize people to secure the chain because that's what proof of stake is is you have to get people to stake in order to secure and decentralize the network right and in cosmos case atom has a dynamic inflation which is packed to however um uh, the uh, staking ratio is right so the goal is two-thirds 66 percent if it's above that um, the inflation goes down, so the sticky rewards go down, so people might undelegate. Um, if the uh, uh, threshold is less than 66%, then the sticky rewards go up, so people are incentivized to stake, right? So it's, it's more of a kind of like securing the network um, mechanism and not too much at, you know, um, oh yeah, it, it, this, this must be profitable for the crypto moon boys to get rich quick. I understand that. I also love to increase my coin count and, you know, of course. But I think in the first game, in the first place, this is not um, this is not um, the thing. And also the, the unbonding periods. I think this is all something that is not, I mean, you, you can avoid it. It's just that it's, it's not good for the security, right? And also not for the price, but also not for the security. If it was flexible and you can go in and out, um, I think um, for some chains, it's um, they don't want to risk that people at one moment, you know, if, if it two axes in a day, the price that everybody would just undelegate and then you have very, very low um, security on your chain suddenly. So, but uh, liquid staking, as you said, I think this um, changes a bit the nature of the game and especially super fluid staking, which is something that Sunny um, proposed. Liquid staking is basically that you can liquefy your staked assets. So for example, on PSTAG, you can do that today. You can go on their platform, you can deposit your Atom, and then in the background, those Atom get distributed to different nodes. They have a methodology to who know, which nodes it gets uh, distributed. And then you get a representation of that staked asset on Ethereum, and you can trade it. You can provide liquidity with it, right? There's a pool on Sushi with um, STK Atom and ETH, I think, where you can just provide liquidity there, right? Um, by the way, they're also going to do an airdrop for people who do that in the early days. So this is something that's really cool. Um, but then you run the danger that you lose your staked representation, right? In Ethereum DeFi, in the Ethereum DeFi jungle. Um, maybe you're suffering permanent loss or you trade it for a coin that goes down and then you have less coins to redeem back. And then the question is, how do you calculate that, right? I think there's a little bit of like concerns about the security, which is why super fluid staking is the inverse of that. Instead of liquefying the staked assets, the protocol just accepts different forms of collateral to be staked, right? So right now on Cosmos, you can only deposit Atom to be staked. But what if you could deposit an, an LP token, right? A liquidity pool token um, that can be staked and secures the chain, right? Because in that liquidity pool token, it actually contains atoms, right? So let's say you have an LP share of an atom Osmo pool, and then you have 50-50% ratio, you could say, okay, I want to like um, deposit that into the uh, Cosmos chain with my atoms, and then the other 50% through IBC automatically gets deposited and secures the Osmo chain. So you can 
first earn yield through DeFi, liquidity provision, for example, and then you stake the, uh, and secure the network. I think Superfluid staking, if it really, really works, they're still like working on it, figuring things out. Um, takes probably three, four months to really have the first versions of it. But this is a concept that I think is really, really cool because you don't sacrifice security. You actually even accelerate and, and improve the security and the decentralization, right? And I think um, that's something really, really exciting. But liquid staking itself as well. I mean, that's also a game changer. Yeah, and, and it is a really exciting topic when you're talking about earning a higher yield and providing security to the network at the same time. It's a win-win for everyone. Um, and you already mentioned some other tokens here uh, during the talk, but are you staking any other tokens currently that you could share with us? And which ones have you had the best, uh, most pleasant experience with in terms of uh, staking UI, UX, rewards, ease of use, and transparency? Yeah, so I'm sticking a couple of them. I'm just looking at my portfolio. <laughs> my portfolio. So I'm sticking a couple of them. Um, obviously, Atom and all Cosmos coins through Kepler is, by, to me, by far the easiest and best use experience right now in crypto. Um, I tried to stake my DOT a couple of months ago, and it's just really, really like complex and, and abstract and complicated to like use the Polkadot wallets and um, set this up. So I'm sticking Atom. Um, and all Cosmos coins, right? Akash, Sentinel, Sift Chain, like all these coins. Then I have um, also, I'm sticking Casper, CSPR. I'm also running a node there actually. Um, but they have their Casper signer, which is like from a wallet perspective, a bit user unfriendly, I would say. It's a brand new coin, just launched a couple of months ago. But um, in terms of like finding your, you know, your, your um, validator you want to delegate to, it's a little bit like unfriendly. Another one that I think is pretty good is uh, the Terra Station. Um, so I bought uh, a couple of Luna almost, I think almost a year ago. I don't know, something like that. Um, and the Terra Station is pretty straight, straightforward. Um, so that's another one. They also have a, a, a browser extension and then they have other um, protocols like Anchor or Mirror. So you can also do different stuff there. Um, um, Celo is another one. I played around with it for a while. Um, they have their Celo wallet, really, really easy to use as well. Um, so that's another one. In terms of your wallets that make it really easy for you to stake, um, I'm also using um, I'm using Exodus as well. So the Exodus wallet is also a good one. Um, and yeah, those are my 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 biggest biggest um, staked assets. But yeah, mostly I'm I'm in in Cosmos. Um, these days, and um, it's just so easy to like stake and delegate and redelegate. You can't even redelegate on Casper right now. There's no way to do it on Cosmos. Boom, one click. How many coins you want to redelegate? Done. Right. Takes a few seconds and really easy to to do. Um, and another one um, that actually nobody ever talks about is um, Clayton, which is a Korean project um, from South Korea. They also won the the battle of the Bank of Korea to be used as the pilot platform to, to run the CBDC on. And Clayton is also has a really, really cool wallet called Kaikas. And you can also um, stake your clay tokens really, really easy through Kaikas. Um, and it's pretty straightforward. That's probably one of the better staking experiences I had. So I would say Cosmos, by far the best one. Um, then um, uh, Terra. Uh, Luna, and then maybe uh, uh, Clayton. Um, Cardano, I've also um, played around with it a while ago, especially with Euroi now, it's much easier to use. So this one is also like simple to to like 
click around with and use it. Um, and then below that, I would say like, you know, Polkadot and um, all these um, other, uh, where, which are much more complex to, to, to use. Um, but yeah, mostly Cosmos. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I can definitely, I like, yeah, Polkadot.js is horrible, I think. Um, but yeah, Cosmos is quite straightforward. The only thing is like the unwarning period, but then you have some networks where it's like like some Cosmos SDK where it's even less than 21 days, I think. Um, but yeah, it's still yeah. quite a lot compared to others. Um, yeah. But oh, Polkadot has 28 days, right? So Polkadot is even... True, yeah. yeah. No, Polkadot is the worst, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think, I mean, you can even see that, you know, the the, the longer the unbonding, the better the price because you can't instantly dump, right? It's kind of like you're decreasing the velocity of these coins and people have to at least wait three or four weeks in Polkadot's case to unbond them. And the best thing to mitigate that is say if you have a thousand dollars and you want to participate in in your staking DeFi, but you also want to have a moon bag you can sell instantly, maybe only put forty or fifty percent stake them, thirty or forty percent into pools, and the rest just keep it liquid. In that way, you hedge all positions, right? And and you're making yield. So I think it's just about um, diversification and your your strategy. So that's what I'm doing as well. I have not hundred percent of my coins staked. Um, I always have a little bit liquid and a little bit or actually 20, 30 percent in DeFi and liquidity pools and those things. And uh, but the majority is staked. So I think that's makes the most sense. Yeah, yeah, 100 percent. And so like what type of questions do you usually get from your community in terms of staking? Um, is there like do, do you get uh, like specific stuff or like things that people always want to know again and again or anything? Yeah, in the in the realm of staking that you get a lot kind of from the from the chat or talking to people. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the, the number one question people ask me is like, who should I delegate to? How do I even set up a wallet? You know, like basic things. Um, and also this kind of like the whole staking and like figuring out whether or not you should stake. It also affects the question of the tokenomics of the coin. Right. So that's also something in that context that a lot of people then ask me oh, you know, the Atom tokenomics are really bad because it doesn't really have, you know, utility as, as DOT has, for example. Like we talked earlier, you have to buy DOT and lock them up. So I think that's kind of like a subsequent question um, when people ask uh, me about staking and uh, the token utility and, and all these kind of things. But yeah, the number one thing is choosing a validator and choosing the right wallet, right? And I think that's also something that... Um, Solana struggled for a while. Um, personally, I didn't even know like which wallet should I use. I think Phantom is pretty good right now, but um, the previous Solana wallets have been really hard to to use. Um, same for the Polkadot wallets. So um, yeah, those are my, my my main questions that I get from from the community. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And um, you've already mentioned some other. Cosmos ecosystem tokens, Acash, Terra, Osmosis. If you could narrow it down to just one project within the Cosmos ecosystem that you're most excited about and tell us why that is. Oh, if it's just one, that's a, that's a hard question, but um, definitely Osmosis. Um, Osmosis is amazing. It's the best AMM DEX experience in crypto, in my, in my opinion. Um, 
they have the smartest people in the team. I met the entire team. Um, Josh is incredible. Josh uh, Lee, the, also co-founder of Kepler. Um, Sunny is, I feel like whenever Sunny enters a room, people feel it, you know, Sunny is there. I mean, this, this guy is so smart and so nice and humble at the same time. It's really a, a, a great, great vibe um, to be around him. So the people are great at Osmosis um, and the product is just incredible. And if you look at the numbers um, on uh, mapofzones.com, for example, you could see that IBC traffic, activity, daily, monthly, weekly active users, Osmosis is killing it. Um, plus the tokenomics of Osmo are, are amazing, right? So they implemented the, the third inning, um, similar to Bitcoin's halving um, Osmosis. Every year, every 12 months, the inflation um, cuts um, by a third. So um, that's kind of like hyperinflationary for the first one, two, three, four years. But then um, it um, goes down over time. Um, and I was actually really surprised how stable the price is um, because um, we're right now in this hyperinflationary phase. But Osmo is still above five, I think even above $6 right now. Um, and the rewards are just insane, right? And I have people hit me up over the past two or three days like, man, please help me to set up my my liquidity pools and my, my Osmo uh, wallet and, and uh, Kepler and this and that. So I think Osmosis to me is the still best kept secret in, in crypto. Yeah, I, yeah, it's pretty pretty exciting, definitely. And uh, I, I feel like they also like once Osmosis launched, it has driven so much traction to the ecosystem, like so much is ha happening there right now. Um, so that's that's definitely very exciting. Um, and then like speaking about like general like Cosmos SDK projects, how, how do you analyze a Cosmos SDK projects once it, it launches? And then like, of course, like looking at team and traction and go to market and use cases and so on. But specifically speaking about the uh, tokenomics and uh, on-chain economics and like looking at staking and other like general traction on-chain, like everything that is happening on-chain um, and how, how it's set up from from the yeah economic design what, what do you look for in general there yeah i mean that's a very <clears throat> general question i guess um i think you touched already upon many things Just, I, I i don't think there's one specific specific thing that i would point out and say hey they have to have this otherwise i'm not interested it's many many different things that you know factor in um, i think the the most important probably to start with is is to think does this product, uh, does this uh, coin, does the, does the project have product market fit, right? Because I think many, many chains, especially in 2017, 2018, they had all these cool fancy white papers and great tokenomics. And now you see it with the meme coins and with the NFT projects. They might have really cool tokenomics on the paper, but then in reality it doesn't play out because nobody uses the product, right? So um, the, the biggest question is always, how innovative and how ready is the product? And does it fill a niche? Does it fill a demand, right? Um, and um, for me, a cross-chain AMM, a cross-chain DEX with mindful tokenomics in favor of the community, a giant airdrop to start with, a smart team behind, you know, innovative technology with IBC and now Ethereum bridges, EVM compatibility, right? Those are all a lot of things that factor in. Um, that make it interested, uh, interesting for me. Um, one or two projects that I'm looking forward to to launch and that I've also personally 
um, placed um, strategic investments is um, UMI. So UMI is uh, a lending protocol that I think makes so much sense um, to, you know, th there's so much, so, such a strong product market fit. Just look at Aave, right? Look at Aave and say, okay, th these guys killed it. Now, what if Aave was on steroids with Tenement, IBC, Cosmos ecosystem? You know, it's like, that's inevitable. So UMI is inevitable. Then another one is Axelar. That is one that is coming out. Um, I think they're targeting mainnet launch Q1 next year. Um, and these guys are um, building a communication hub in Cosmos, right? right? So they are kind of like trying to bring on Bitcoin on Cosmos. And I think that's also something that I'm really, really excited about to, um, to see Bitcoin being like entering the Cosmoverse, entering the Cosmos um, ecosystem. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of product market fit um, projects out there that are still coming up. Um, but yeah, I think also that's why I think it's really important to be an active crypto user and not just a silent observer and, you know, Binance Earn um, farmer or whatever you want to call it. Um, because if you personally use all those products, you recognize, oh, hey, what if this product actually had this or that feature, right? And then a week later, you stumble upon a white paper, like this is exactly what I was looking for. So you have this moment yourself where you're like man this makes so much sense and then the team is cool you can connect with them you can talk to them tokenomics are great many things that factor in but i would say product market fit is still the, the most predominant and then from there everything else is, is secondary yeah and i don't you know i couldn't agree with you more if you're going to be investing in uh, cryptocurrency projects it's best to actually use these coins uh, whether it's participating in staking, yield farming, whatever it is, because you are the market at that point. So it's more easy to find what product will fit your needs and you can you know, identify which investment opportunity is better for you that way. Um, so if you guys have any more questions in the chat, this is your time to ask them now. We're winding down with the last question here. Um, so CryptoCito, so you've already kind of told us how you construct your portfolio, not going all in on staking, having some liquid assets. Let's talk about exit strategy. You know, Sometimes people are mentioning bear market could come uh, in the start of the new year here. We've saw it back in 2018. So what is your exit strategy and how would you advise uh, taking that kind of approach? <clears throat> yeah, I think it's really, really important for people to, um, to have a plan to say, okay, this is, for example, this is the amount of money. If I had that on my bank account in, in dollars or in euros, um, this would be absolutely amazing, right? And then another thing is to, when your portfolio hits that number, when you say, well, now I have it, but I still think we're gonna do another two, three X from here. Um, it's very tempting, right? To like, just not sell or stick with it, you know? And even though you know you should sell, but then it just form when greed kicks in and you're like, what if I just wait another week or two, you know? And I trap myself sometimes as well, even though some targets get hit. But the best thing I think anybody should do is as you dollar cost average in, you should also dollar cost average out, right? Never sell everything at once. Don't unstake everything and market dump it, you know? Always set limit orders when you sell. Always go out gradually, you know? Have multiple targets and say, okay, coin A outperformed coin B, so um, I'm taking profits on coin A, put some of it in coin B, maybe some of it in stable coins, and then slowly build up a stable coin portfolio on the side. So in case we have a crazy nasty crash, like we have every other weekend, it seems, you can buy back cheaper or you can buy things, you know? I mean, personally, I, I, I have 
um, I don't have a family. I don't have anything to pay off. I don't have any loans or anything um, to pay back. So I'm in a pretty like chilled, you know, situation. But I know people have families or obligations and a high burn rate per month. Um, it's it's wiser to be a bit more conservative, um, but at the same time also to recognize trends early on and to say, okay, I'm gonna get on in, on this train, you know, before everyone else does, hopefully, because. In crypto, you can only make money if you're front-running the masses, not if you're chasing the masses and chasing the pumps. So I think, yeah, the biggest thing that I've learned and done is never sell everything. Always keep a moon bag, dollar cost average out, slowly get out of you know your position. Um, but it also really depends like how much do you actually believe in that coin, right? For, for me, um, I think Cosmos makes so much sense. And I have other coins that I'm also holding, like, like GRT, for example. Um, that um, or even HBAR, where I say like, hey, this is a cool project. Um, I really want to hold on to it. Um, maybe slowly like take profits when it goes too crazy, when you now have these vertical green lines to the up upside. But um, it also really depends on, you know, your conviction of the project, of the coin. Um, and then again, slowly um, sell off and um, take profits basically. But I think in the long run, um, I already exited, um, and that is exiting the traditional financial system. 99.99% of my money is in crypto. Um, most of it in, in volatile currencies, but also some of it now in stable coins. So, um, yeah, and I don't see actually why I should get back to like, you know, having um, a lot of money sitting in euro on my, on my bank account doing nothing. <laughs> so, yeah. That's a hell of a statement right there. He's already exited 99% out of the traditional finance <laughs> ecosystem. <laughs> yeah, man. So now we're getting into the community question part here. So we had uh, one from Jamie T uh, referencing Zcash moving to the Cosmos SDK recently. Who's next? Who? That's a good question. I don't know. Um, honestly, I think what um, a lot of projects are right now working on is to bridge over Ethereum, um, Ethereum liquidity, Ethereum um, smart contracts over um, onto Cosmos. So I think um, FMOS is a project that is working on that. There's gonna be the Ethereum hub on Cosmos. Um, I also talked with Imin about this, you know, to get Avalanche on Cosmos. And he's like, yeah, we should implement IBC. I know we're gonna work on it, blah, blah, blah. But I think they have a little bit of a different kind of like focus right now. Maybe it's not the right time um, to do this. Um, Terra just implemented IBC, so that's another one, um, that, uh, a big one that just came. The Graph actually announced at Cosmoverse that they're going to be um, launching on Cosmos as well. So that's a big one. Um, and yeah, I'm just trying to scroll, scroll through um, Coin, uh, Coin Gecko. I think there's a lot of them that are at least EVM compatible, which means that when once FMOS goes live and Kronos, the crypto.com uh, chain, um, you will natively, without having to ask for permission or waiting for the team to like announce we're going on Cosmos, you can just bridge over liquidity and like, okay, users can choose which chain they want to use. Um, so I think we're going to see more and more of that. Um, and then again, like I said earlier, at one point it's going to be a network effect and um, there's no way back. So yeah. Um, but I would also love to see Monero, actually. I think Monero would be cool. That would be amazing. 
Yeah. Maybe maybe all the old school coins coming to Cosmos now. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Now Zcash, now uh, Monero, Litecoin, everything will follow. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So we have another question from uh, AOW95 um, asking like about the freight. The more tokens are staked, the higher is the price volatility of the token. What, what do you think about the comment? <clears throat> I think what he's... The more tokens are staked, the higher the price volatility. Okay, so yeah, I so, think what this yeah, could yeah. potentially mean is, well, if you stake coins, they're basically out of the market, right? They're 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 not sitting as liquidity in in pools or on exchanges, right? So basically, the more coins are out there, the less coins are liquid on exchanges means that less money or or uh, money would move the markets faster, right? If some whale would either buy or sell large amounts of coins, um, then uh, it would move the price of the uh, of the coin, right? Because most of it is locked away. So I think that's at least how I would um, answer that. Or do you have other thoughts? Yeah, that makes sense. It's probably, may maybe it's just like a, a kind of leveraged volatility because there's less overall in the market. It just becomes more like if, if a whale buys a lot, it will have a bigger spike. If it sells a lot, it will have a bigger spike Spike in the downside. Yeah. yeah. Agree. That's why I think for, for some coins, it makes sense to not even have too deep liquidity on, central, on decentralized exchanges, for, uh, especially. Because if the liquidity is really, really deep and you want the price to go up, um, like, you know, even whale money is not going to move the markets as much as you wish it was right so i think um just gradually increasing the liquidity as the adoption increases and, and grows um i think that's um, a good good strategy and um that's why i'm also happy to see that you know not, most most pools on osmosis and also in the gravity decks they don't have crazy crazy billions in liquidity um from the foundations from the projects from everyone right um i'm sure they help to jumpstart it but they also make it possible so that the community still can earn high yields also. And um, yeah, that uh, the, the price kind of like um, the price discovery um, does this thing by itself and not um, being kind of like impacted and manipulated from outside. Well, thank you so much uh, for providing all this interesting insights to us here today, CryptoCito. Uh, for Jamie T and AOW95, if you'll please reach out to us on Twitter via DM. We can hook you guys up with a Staking Rewards t-shirt. Uh, you can also find Staking Rewards t-shirts in our redeem section on stakingrewards.com. You can actually exchange some of your heart tokens for those t-shirts directly there. So, uh, CryptoCito, how can more people uh, follow you or learn more about the stuff you're working on? Where can they find you? Um, well, the best is um, obviously YouTube. I also just uh, launched a CryptoCito Clips channel, CryptoCito. Um, then uh, Twitter, also at Cryptocito, and Telegram. I have a Telegram group. It's called Cryptocitos underscore friends, F-R-E-N-S, you know, like the crypto people say it. Um, so those are the three places I'm, I'm active. Um, when you join Telegram, I think the best way is actually to go on my Twitter profile and click on the link there because there's scam groups already um, that if you would just type it in on, on Telegram, you most likely end up in a scam group. So don't do that. Go on my profile, click the link there. And um, yeah, that's basically it. 
Awesome. Be sure to check that out, guys. And check out previous episodes of Staking Mondays available on Spotify and our YouTube channel. And be sure to read our SR20 index, which was released last week. Nice SR20 uh, header on the stakingrewards.com page as well. So please like and subscribe to our channel. Like this video, share it around. As always, happy staking, everyone. And this episode was sponsored by P-Stake, a liquid staking solution for the Cosmos ecosystem and beyond. Thanks, CryptoCito. Thank you, guys. With P-Stake, users can stake assets like Atom through the P-Stake protocol to gain staking rewards. P-Stake users also receive a wrapped asset, which represents the underlying staked asset. These derivative tokens can be used on Ethereum-based DeFi platforms with support for more networks in the future. So users can maximize their yield by providing liquidity on DEXs. They can also be used as collateral for loans and much more, in addition to receiving staking rewards for the underlying asset. Why choose between staking rewards and DeFi opportunities when you can have both with P-Stake.